Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your non-managers and individual contributors, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Teammate. In this 12-month long program, we'll be taking your employees through various topics which include communication, how to manage your boss, how to get results without authority, how to win at customer service, how to problem solve and make great decisions like a boss and much more. The sessions are virtual running one hour each month and we'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoint, stale stories and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. Well, about maybe a year ago, I was talking to my strategic partner for coaching, Margie Bush, and she had finished a wellness certification program. And so we were talking about what she learned. And one of the components in wellness is spirituality. And then she mentioned that she was not using the word spirituality. She was using the word inner peace. And that resonated well with me because at the time I was really having some questions about what is spirituality? What does it look like? How do you experience it? Is it even real? And it was tough because the word spirituality almost connotes, I guess, maybe even a religious experience. But when she said inner peace, that made all the sense in the world to me because spirituality might be your gateway to achieve inner peace. But really, inner peace is the important part, right? It's the quiet we can experience when we're stressed overall. Now, with that said, I thought it might be a topic that we should address on the show. And as I thought about who would be the best person to talk to it, the name was easy to find. It was Lauren Smith. Lauren has been on our podcast a couple times before. In fact, we had her on about a year and a half ago talking about non-traditional spirituality, going back to spiritual. And so I wanted to have a conversation with her about inner peace. And I fully expected it would be kind of quick and easy. Well, we went well over an hour and edited some of it down. But to date, probably one of my most favorite episodes because Lauren comes from a perspective that a lot of us may not see. And she's had a podcast of her own that's currently on hiatus, but just a phenomenal wealth of information on things that are typically kind of non-traditional. And I loved it, learned a lot from it, definitely wanted to have her back on the show. The topic today is how to achieve inner peace. And we had some great conversation around a lot of things that some of you may find interesting and maybe some of you even controversial. In fact, I would not be surprised if we ended up losing some viewers after this episode. That's the reason you all want to listen to it even more, isn't it? So why don't we go ahead and do that? Lauren will introduce herself to us. I won't give you any more information about her. She does a better job than me, but it is time to let her do the talking. So you know what time it is for all of you. Let's make sure that personal item is tucked under the seat in front of you. Make sure your seatbelt is buckled low and across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Lauren Smith, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mac. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. It's great to have you, Lauren. So I can't remember the episode number that we talked about. It was probably in the 30s or 40s. I think we're like at 120 or 130 Ooh, now. Crushing but it. It was about, yeah, it was a long time ago, but we talked about non-traditional spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was during COVID, wasn't it? During the yeah, COVID? I, it might have been I during the COVID Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted you to come back because the topic today is about something called inner peace. Now, that was a new word to me. I'd actually was talking to a colleague of mine, my strategic coaching partner, Margie Bush, and she had completed a uh, certificate in health and wellness coaching. And so she says that they, she's using instead of spirituality, inner peace. And I thought that's good because spirituality suggests some kind of religion to me, mm -hmm. but not everybody is considered religious or considers himself religious. So I love inner peace. And I thought, who do I know that could talk to this better than anybody else? And then your name came back. And so 
for the audience who doesn't know who you are, Lauren, I want to give you some time to tell us about yourself and your journey, and then I want to jump into the questions. Yeah. So tell us about yourself, your journey, and kind of what you're up to today. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Lauren Smith. As Max said, I'm an author, top 100 podcast host, spiritual mentor, and what I have found to be my my purpose, at least right now in this stage of life, is I'm really on a mission to help humanity heal, evolve, and ascend. But that wasn't always the case because my background is in marketing. <laughs> so I have really come full circle and it has been a journey all in itself. For those who may have missed previous conversations with Mac and I, Mac was actually my, I interned for Mac when I was in college. And Mac, you were the very first person to tell me that I was not meant to live that traditional nine to five corporate life. So you saw something in me that I didn't see in myself in that moment because I dipped my toe in that corporate water and I was like, shoot, Mac's right. <laughs> this I remember isn't for when me. you told me about that. I thought, yeah, welcome to the real yeah. world. It kicks you in the ass and then you either fight it or you go do something else. Yeah. I think you opted for the wiser yeah, choice. Yeah, I, find something I else. definitely <laughs> did. And, and I think my, my biggest, lesson from that corporate life was that you can always choose something different, right? So like the path and the idea that you have in your head at whatever set in time, you can step off that path. You have choice. And a lot of times we are we forget that we have free will and choice because of the societal norms or what we're supposed to do, or it's hard to break up with a dream that we once had, right? So um, I've done that a lot. <laughs> I've broken up with a lot of my beliefs, and um, I I'm, I lead more of an intuitive life now, I would say. Yeah, and I think that's really cool to think about where you've been. So, you know, what the audience probably doesn't know is, like, you know, I'm, you know, just a little south of 60, and, you know, when I first met you, I think you were still in high school. Yeah. And then you moved into, you were at college and did this. So, but where I wanted to go is like, of all the people I know, you are one of the youngest ones. And I think one of the wisest ones and most intuitive ones. So it's kind of like, you know, you're this old, wise woman <laughs> in this young person's body, which is great. I'm sure I've lived uh, many lifetimes that I don't remember. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe we all have. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's the whole question and I kind of when we were warming up for this we were talking about this and so you know I'm I'm rethinking my whole life and and I think based on you know just a few people I've talked to I think a lot of people are questioning things mm. you know, I kind of grew up in an evangelical church I started to question a lot of those beliefs when I turned 50 which was eight years ago and then I think what happened is my faith was hijacked by a political party and that's when I said that's it it's I'm done I can't do this anymore yeah. I don't want to be this you know, uh, I guess militant Christian, you know, it just doesn't fit me. And I don't think it really fits what I grew up believing. Right. So all of a sudden, this anchor that has governed my life as long as I can remember is suddenly gone. Mm. And, you know, I mentioned before we started it, you know, it used to be I didn't know how to do something, I'd say a prayer. Like I couldn't find my phone on a, a road trip a couple months ago and I'm panicking. I thought, this is where I used to say a prayer, but. I think the line's disconnected. I got to figure this out on my own. Yeah. And it's a scary thought. But then again, I thought, well, you know, maybe you've been doing this all along. You just didn't realize it. Kind of like the uh, Wizard of Oz. You know, you had the power all along. You just didn't know You just it. didn't know how to use right. it. And so whatever it is, and I mean, I, that's got me trying to refigure what it looks like. So here's my latest theory on spirituality. I'm just going to run this by Hit you. Hit me with it. Okay. So like, you know, you watch Star Wars, right? It's the force. You know, may the force be with you. Right. So I kind of think of it as like this electric current. Mm. And so what happens is that different groups sort of tap into it and then they choose to light up their beliefs. So like there's a there's like a little road that turns off to Catholicism and then a, another road that goes to, you know, Islam and another road to Buddhism. And like everybody's like tapping into the power, just like an electric. You can go into one neighborhood and there's really big, huge, fancy homes and other neighborhoods are trailers it's like everybody's tapping into the same power right they're just using it different yeah. so that said like instead of like i'm not interested in trading my evangelical roots for another religion mm -hmm. i'm not going to do that anymore because it's basically a lot of rules yeah. that some man has put up you know based on some book someplace i want to figure out what's in that electric current like i want to be there riding it not 
somebody else's interpretation. So I'm going to stop there and say, you know, what's your reaction to that? Besides, I should go to the nut <laughs> No, I like that because I too, I grew up in a very Christian home, but I started really questioning these things when I was a child. And um, certain things, and it may, I, I clearly remember going to my pastor, and I was in my baptism class. And I remember asking him, and we grew up in, in the Brethren faith. So it's, it's more of the New Testament that is taught, right? And mm-hmm. um, I remember asking him, well, if God made Adam and Eve, then what? They had two sons. Then what? Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. my pastor looking at me, and he didn't have the answer. And all he said to me was, well, we follow, we're in the Brethren Church. We follow more of the New Testament. And that didn't sit right with me. I still went through with the baptism. I have been blessed by high priestesses in Bali. I've, I've had all of these crazy different things in, in other cultures happen. But there, that to me, I think, was like one of the most profound moments of my life of, hmm, adults don't know everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and as, as an adult now, I'm like, shoo, of course we don't know everything. No, no one knows everything. <laughs> but as a child, your perception is that adults know everything. They have the answers mm-hmm. to everything. And I, I truly believe what you say about spirituality of, of this big, I, I almost see it as earth is dense, right? Like it's mm-hmm. very 3D. But if you were to kind of vibrate off of earth, like you, you have different dimensions, right? There's the 4D, the 5D. And it's said that when you are living a more open life, and, and you can take the term spiritual and you can define it however you want, right? Like we, we're not going to get set on someone else's definition. Define it for yourself. Um, I think that when we start raising our vibration of humanity, we move different. We think different. We're not in this like, grumbly life's against me victimhood like we're seeing everything with a completely new lens and you're asking more questions and you're staying open-minded it wasn't until I had a podcast conversation with Reverend um, Francis Faden and she channeled Mother Mary in so you would think okay she's like very Catholic well she grew up Catholic but she introduced a term to me called interfaith and uh-huh. I had never heard that term before. And she was like, basically, I believe that if I was, you know, born in India, I would probably be Hindu. Um, mm-hmm. If I was born in Bali, I, I might be Hindu. I might be Buddhist, right? So mm-hmm. she had this belief. And I started to kind of open my mind to that of I can, I can take what resonates to me and incorporate into that into my life. And that doesn't make it truth. It doesn't make it false. It just makes it personal, right? Like it's mm-hmm. my truth and it's what resonates to me. So I love that you have your own definition of what spirituality is because I'm not here to tell you it's wrong. I'm not here to tell you it's right. I think we're just on this mission of figuring out what makes sense to each of us. Well, I, I agree with that because it really, the only way that you could get an answer about it is from another human. Right. But this is like, you know, it's like trying to get advice on, you know, how to lose weight by asking a fat guy like me. It's not going to work, right. you know. I haven't figured it out. So I love the exploration. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's almost, it's, I would admit for myself it was scary. It's definitely I mean, scary. It's like yeah. I, I, you know, the word like heretic comes to mind, which is another man-made invented word mm-hmm. when you're not following the agreed upon theology, whatever it's going to look right. like to like, wow, I've, I've, I wonder what this is like. It's just kind of fun yeah. and scary at the same time. <laughs> because again, you know, but you know, just because you've believed something as fact from the time you were a child to now doesn't always mean that it's real. Yeah. I mean, people were being told up until, you know, whatever, 1300 that the earth was flat. I think there's still some, I think you're one of those flat earth people. <laughs> I don't know where I stand on this, actually. I, yeah. Well, whatever I, you're standing you know, on flat. It's flat, right? Now, right? So. Yeah, exactly. So I've, <laughs> I've like, I've have, I've listened to everyone's arguments, right? It's like one of those things. But I also remember being in elementary school and specifically being asked, do you believe in aliens? Was that even a question now that the Pentagon has released that there are UFOs? Like that we're not the only ones, right? So like something that once was in question... Mm-hmm. isn't really that much in question anymore. So, um, and then it's like, well, was it still real back then? Well, yeah, it was still real back then, but they either didn't want you to know about it or people were scared of it, right? I had mm-hmm. to kind of have this, um, I laughed the other day when I saw that Nickelodeon picked up Star Trek and uh-huh. turned it into a cartoon. And I was like, 
Star Trek has been around forever. Like, yeah. why are they just now doing this? And I had that aha moment of like, right, because they need to teach the kids to have the open mind to different universes. We're not the only ones here, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, so where do you have to start that? You have to start it in childhood because it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot easier to implement that in a childhood than it is for someone like you who's nearing sixty, right? So to change yeah. those yeah. habits and beliefs, it's part of. It's really part of brain rewiring is really what it is. Well, I think what we've managed to do is to give explanations to the big things. Yeah. But it's the little things now that are now magnified. Like, again, inner peace. Mm. I mean, we, you know, I went through, and I told you this before, but I went through a run a couple months ago of some harsh, just very negative feedback on workshops I was doing. And I thought, wow, is it, have I changed my delivery and the answer is no, I've been doing the same stuff for a long time. In fact, I'm always concerned that I'm not relevant. And yet I think everybody's just triggered. So I even asked a couple of my colleagues, I said, you know, are you noticing the same? And they're like, yeah, we're noticing that feedback too is harsh. And you know, people that get upset at a grocery store or restaurant, it's not just, you know, I'm upset and keep it to myself, man, they make a big production out of right. it. It's a big scene. So everybody's triggered, which tells me that inner peace is in very short supply. So whether you get your inner peace through your church, through your mosque, through your temple, through your, you know, whatever place of worship you go, I think inner peace is now going to be the secret to surviving this ever-changing, just live from one massive crisis to another world that we're all a part of these days, which is, again, like I need to find someone that understands us better than me. <laughs> so that's why you're here, you know? So Well, I, I can feel that because, you know, I, what the listeners may not know as I list my business credentials is that uh, last October, I intuitively felt a break coming on. More so for the reason that I just really want to reevaluate the podcast and my goals around it. And at one point, I was recording, editing, and producing three episodes per week. And Mac, I know how, you know what that would entail. Like, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what I was thinking, right? But then it was like podcasting became my whole life. And while I loved holding the space, I could just feel that autopilot ensuing. And when mm-hmm. I personally notice autopilot, I know the next step is burnout. And when I hit Mm. burnout, then I know it affects my health mentally, physically. Um, I know that that's like when I just get like, how did I get here? Right? And then you're like, well, you knew you were about to get there. You just ignored all of the red flags. So in that moment when I felt that that intuitive feeling of like, "Hmm, you know, maybe you should take a a break in October, I decided, okay, in December, I'm going to take a short hiatus, um, examine things, restart the podcast mm-hmm. in early 22 with a new plan. But it's, uh, we're talking, it's August 1st. And Mac, this is the first time that I've hit the mic all year round. So you can wow. see. Well, hey, I'm honored that you chose <laughs> me to be your first time and you haven't lost a step. Obviously. Well, thank you. But you know, like life doesn't always go to plan. And, and I think that doing that was taking that step back was actually next level beneficial for me as a person and and then i could see the trickle down effect of how it was beneficial for my family for my for my friends for my kids right for my mental health for my inner peace it wasn't just a a one thing it it really does have this whole layering effect to it well you know it's interesting how many episodes did you what was the count when you decided to go on hiatus 300 300. Okay, so that is a massive amount yeah. of podcast episodes. And you started yours actually after mine. Yeah. And I think I'm only at 140 now. I mean, that just goes to show you were... But the difference was, I listened, I didn't listen to every episode. I listened to a lot of them. But you went deep in all of these things. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, it's kind of like, you know, you, you were... So I always say this about audiences, right? My audiences of management training people. You know, a lot of them say, you know, well... Uh, you know, I've taken this and I've taken Myers-Briggs and I've taken this and that. And I said, well, you know, you're kind of like a rain barrel. You are overflowing. It's time to punch a hole in the side and let some of that knowledge out. Yeah. I think maybe in your case, Lauren, you drained the rain barrel. <laughs> and now, like, there's nothing left in it. So now it seems like you've opened up waiting for whatever's going to come down and refill it. Yeah, and I also... And maybe that'll be where, you know, you put your effort next, huh? And I, and I also realized that I have spoken to 
so many amazing people that I I never would have thought the beginning of this podcast journey. I mean, I remember like episode three, I was like, shoot, I don't have anyone lined up for episode four, <laughs> right? And then like the next thing I knew, I had so many people requesting to be on the show that I was like, uh, how about four non- months from now, you know? So, but what I realized was I was learning so much but I also wasn't taking that time to implement everything I learned. So it was like I was gaining all of these tools, but then I'm holding all this space for other people that I almost kind of ran out of space to implement things in my own life. And um, I had mentioned that I began prepping for that break in, in October, but I really couldn't imagine what those next few months had in store. I mean, I could list every single little thing that happened, but... I, I still can't believe some of the things, but some of the, the larger things that happened was right before Thanksgiving, my grandfather passed away of COVID. That same week, my sister's fiance was put in the hospital with COVID. Um, he later passed away in January. Then my best friend's husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I just found myself being needed more for my family and friends, but also for my kids who Recently, we had uprooted from Florida to Virginia. Um, we were in this strange new life, navigating so many endings and beginnings simultaneously that I just had to surrender the hustle and make that space for quiet. And Mac, I know in one of your weekly email blasts, it was after Father's Day, you shared that you reflected on um, if you were really a good dad now that your kids mm-hmm. are grown and they have their own lives. But you know, the life around them has changed exponentially, but your life and business is still very similar. And I mm-hmm. shared with you that after I read your email, um, I felt a sense of validation for giving my attention to my family and not business. I have five summers left with my oldest daughter before she's 18. And I spent so much of her younger childhood days traveling and working so much that I feel like I miss things, you know, those things that you'll never get back. And I don't want to have any regrets about the way that I show up for the people I love, but that also includes myself. I don't want to have regrets about the way I have shown up for myself. And that all in itself, I think, is the layer of inner peace. So it's coming to terms, I guess, with whatever is left after the hustle and bustle? Yeah. So, I I mean, if, if we define inner peace, right? Like, of course, there's that traditional definition if, like, you're Googling, what is inner peace? It's, it's going to tell you something about inner peace or, or peace of mind. They're really the same thing. So it's either a psychological or spiritual state of calm despite the presence of stressors, which is actually the biggest stressor that we have as humans is pretending to be someone we're not. So you could see how a lot of your beliefs and ideals leading up until this time you hit 50 and then you had to break up with them. I'm sure you could go back and examine how some of those things probably didn't ring true to you at various times, but maybe you just tabled them, right? Like, you're just like, ah, like, well, this is what I believe. It may not make sense, but like, I'm just going to kind of push it back. So I, but I said before, I, I believe that we as humans, we have to get better at defining terms for ourselves. So what does inner peace mean to me? How does it feel to me? What does it look like? So for me, and I can only describe this for me, is inner peace to me is healthy boundaries. It means being confident and following my intuition when logic or even societal norms say otherwise. Um, It's choosing my kids instead of the hustle. (laughs) It means not recreating generational childhood wounds. It's flow versus force, patience instead of expectations. Um, being impeccable with your words, grace and forgiveness. And I have had to lean into the total understanding that I am a spiritual being on a human journey. And if I think people think about that and they think, okay, if, if I'm spirit first, human second, it's almost like your whole life kind of begins to change. But really that first step to inner peace is reframing your mindset. It has to start with reframing your mindset. All right, so I need a step-by-step on how to do the reframe because I think what I'm doing is just winging it. Like, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. This is like I mentioned. I don't want to go. It's like, let me go try some new churches. No, I'm not not interested in church. No more. (laughs) No more church. And I'm not to the point now where I feel comfortable saying, let me go to a shrine and, you know, chant. Because, again, I I, got to figure out, like, what the core is here. Right. And I got to figure out what that electric current 
Like, where do you get into it where it can be just you? So mm. I need to hear about the reframe. How can I get my mind in order? Because it's scattered. Right yeah, now. I think everyone's mind is a little scattered. And um, I think reframing, it, the important thing to know is it's really not an overnight thing. And a key that I've been taught is reframing your mindset is technically called rewiring your brain. So when someone tells us something, oh, let's go let's go back to childhood, okay? So mm-hmm. many things actually come from childhood. I had a fantastic childhood, but sometimes those little things that we say or do with no malicious intent as a parent, as a friend, as a teacher, as an adult to a child can actually cause triggers, blocks, trauma responses as this child matures into a, an adult. Um, people in generally don't know that they're doing it. But that's because they're not conscious to themselves. So an example of this is that at some point in my life, I learned and adapted the mindset that business accomplishments are tied to my worth. So imagine how unworthy and how unaccomplished I felt when I take a step back from business, right? So mm-hmm. I personally journal a lot. That is, that's one way that I work through my things because I like to get it down on paper because it takes it out of that head and it makes it from, you know, I, I can release the emotion that's attached to it. But I do this a lot when I'm unpacking my patterns and my habits and my beliefs, but I realized that this particular pattern was way beyond business. I mean, I had a link between accomplishments and worth for as long as I could remember from Middle and high school, I tried to associate myself with as many titles and extracurriculars as possible. Class president, chairman of committees, cheerleading captain, all-American cheerleader, getting scholarships, right? Like I actually remember stopping by my grandparents' house with my parents to tell my grandparents that I made cheer captain for the Mm -hmm. third year in a row. Like, so I'm sure like after the first time, it really wasn't that exciting of a news, but I don't remember stopping by and telling them when I failed or when I had a bad day. So you can see how accomplishments were highly revered in my family. And that's to no fault of my parents. This is something that I've learned to be as much generational as it is societal. So I really had to take, you know, kind of take a step back and reframe how I viewed success and accomplishment. So I had taken this time off and I had probably been the best mom I have been in 13 years of parenting. I, my kids, I know I'm so involved in their lives on the day to day, right? That like, I don't know if, if I can now look back in 10 years and be like, was I a good mom? Because right now I can say for a fact, like I'm a damn good mom. Like I, I'm there for my kids. So reframing your mindset actually requires as much unlearning as it does learning. So you're unlearning all of those patterns that society has inflicted upon you. You are unlearning all of those, um, what others have taught you to be fact, right? You're unlearning all of the ways you've allowed your false shadow of yourself to run the show. Like, and I'm sure the next question is, well, what's the false shadow of self? (laughs) People are like, what? Yeah, only the shadow knows. Yeah, Yeah, I'm getting very, very drawn into this. So yeah, it's coming. I got to ask. So, so the false shadow of self is, is in essence the part of self that we deny in order to feel loved. So if we go again, we go back to childhood. And in childhood, we're told what's good, what's bad, Mm -hmm. what's acceptable, what's not. We learn what to do to be praised and we learn what we'll do to bring us punishment, right? So this Mm -hmm. actually forms our outwardly personality. We don't realize it. This is how we become people pleasers. This is how we say yes instead of no. This is why like we are invited somewhere and you're like, oh, I don't want to go, but I have to. Who said you have to? Like, where does that come from? This is also one of that toxic things of the work society, like show up 15 minutes late and give it all to your job. For what? What? Mm, For what? At the end of the day, you know? So your personality and your soul are two very different things. Someone you may view in one way, or I'm sorry, someone may view you in one way, and you might be thinking, you don't know me at all, right? Like, they may make a comment about you very general, and you're like, you don't know me at all. But then that begs the question, do you know you? You know, so our personality is who we believe ourselves to be. But if we already know our beliefs aren't facts, then it's kind of like we have to reexamine 
all of that all again. So dropping the shadow or this is also what in therapy or spiritual work you call shadow work is really Mm -hmm. coming back to yourself with authentic truth and compassion. It means dropping any ego-driven stories or narratives. And you really have to use the lens of objection, objective observation is what they call it when it comes to seeing ourselves. So for an example, you're on family vacation. The kids are all in a mood. They're bickering. No one's getting along. This was actually in my life last week. So, so like, <laughs> I was like in the car and I was like, oh, bless these children. Like, so, you know, and then you, you arrive at your destination and everyone gets out and you, everyone puts on their best smile and it gets posted on social media and your caption is best vacation ever, right? Yeah. Well, was it really? <laughs> or are you just showing off that highlights reel to make it seem that way? Are you posting that photo because that's what you were supposed to do because mm-hmm. you want it to seem one way or another because you want to appear to have this perfect life, this perfect family. So you have to kind of sit with yourself and be like, all right, well, what was my motive? Would it have been okay if I didn't post anything at all? Or would it shatter the illusion that your personality thrives on? So I think mm-hmm. living in that false shadow of self, it really conflicts with inner peace in almost every way possible because there is nothing peaceful about living your life by the rules and expectation of other people. Well, everybody's the harshest critic. Of, and, yeah. But I, just so on that note, I mean, do you think this problem is worse now because we have such easy access to social media? 100%. I mean, 20 years ago, I don't know if we even had this. 20 years ago was what, 2002? You know, yeah. so I don't... I don't even think Facebook was the thing. It was still like MySpace. Yeah, we had MySpace. Well, and then you'd think like, so I, I'm part of the generation that had my toe dipped in both waters, right? So mm-hmm. um, we had AOL with that CD-ROM 2.0. Oh, you had, yeah. but like I, yeah. I didn't have my device with me. I still had to go outside. And if my mom needed to use the phone, I had to get off the computer. Whereas now we have our devices in our hands. So I think it's a lot more blatant, but I think the the comparison has always been there, whether it's been in a magazine, right? Where it's comparing yourself to your neighbor of what they have and what you don't have. Um, a lot of the times I like, I'm, I'm trying to teach my oldest daughter this, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to drill it in. I know, I'm, I know she's not getting it, but I'm just like hoping one day she'll look back and be like, my mom told me this when I was 13. But I, a lot of times when she's having an issue at school and she's, you know, it's like, I didn't do this. I didn't say this. Like, Whatever, I I tell her the mirroring exercise. So a lot of the times when someone's projecting something on you, it's actually how they feel about themselves. So whether that's someone calling you ugly or saying that they don't like your shirt, there's something about their physical identity that they don't like. If if they're bringing, if they're, you know, saying something about your, um, like one of your uh, workshops, right? It's probably really not about the workshop. (laughs) <laughs> right? Like who knows, yeah. Mac, you could have, you could have reminded someone of their high school boyfriend and they didn't like that. And they're not consciously thinking about that, but they're triggered by it. So most of the time it's really not personal and it's actually about the other person. That's why we really have to turn it back to self. So sometimes I have to even check myself when I'm judging someone, right? Like for whatever reason, I like, it's, it's now second nature to me because I've practiced it so much. It is not an overnight thing. I was not this person even 10 years ago. So you really do have to put in the work, but I, I like check myself. If I see, if I notice I'm making a judgment about someone, I'm like, hmm. All right. So like, where is this coming from? How do I feel that way about myself? In what way? And when you take it back to be personal, you realize that like, you really don't want to put that energy on anyone else. Because you're, and you need to get it out of yourself, right? Too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, where where did this self criticism come from? Why do I feel less than, right? So, and mm-hmm. then most of the time, you go back, and it was childhood. And I've learned that a lot of times it's just like a one off comment, um, unless like unless you have come from like an abusive household. That's that's a completely different topic. But you mm-hmm. know, for for most of us who who we can say we've had a good childhood, it's usually not an, even anything like that deep. Or like that crazy, right? Like it was just something, someone made us feel a way about ourselves. And at some point in time, we accepted that to be truth or fact. That doesn't mean that it is. Well, maybe too, when I'm thinking about, you know, when I was younger, of course, that was a long time ago, but 
there was when you're younger you don't know a lot of stuff right so like whatever comes into your head you've got a lot more capacity to sit and marinate over mm -hmm. it so it makes sense an, uh, an offhand comment from somebody becomes the trigger later yeah and then measure that against you know the personas that everybody puts on with their social media like nobody ever posts you know my husband's a lazy piece of shit my kids are bad i don't have any money like no one posts that yeah everybody's family's perfect right and then you're like Am I the only one that has an imperfect relationship? No, you're like everybody else. The difference is everybody's putting on a show. Mm. And I think that was a key piece for me to realize, like, quit looking at that shit. Yeah. Because it is not, you're, you're looking at, it's kind of like when you go to, like, you go to those appliance stores and they have the fake food in the oven, <laughs> yeah. the plastic steaks and yeah. things. It's like, it's totally fake. Yeah. So don't compete with it, you know? Yeah, you're, you're trying to, to live up to something that's not real. I I don't even see social media anymore as real and that that became very hard to me because my job was marketing and content creation for social media for large brands all over the world and I was like well, geez, here I am playing into it. <laughs> so, yeah. so I even had to take a step back. And I noticed now like I rarely post on social media. And uh, in fact, I I put all of my um, channels into hibernation. I think the only one that's still active right now is Instagram, but I had done it to my Twitter, which I had started 15 plus years ago. And I didn't mm. realize that if you do that to Twitter and you stay inactive for 30 days, it automatically deletes your account. Wow. And uh, yeah. So like I go to like re-log into Twitter. I can't even remember why. And I realize I don't have an account anymore. And I think old me would have probably had a panic attack. And then, sure. like, oh, I lost 15 All years. Content, yes. And yeah. then, like, knew me was like, all right, well, I guess it was time for me to start over. You know, like, I guess I didn't need all of that in my life because what the hell value do tweets really have? Right? Like, long term. Yeah, 24 characters or whatever, 46 right? like, or whatever Right? Like, it is. what does yeah. it matter? Like, it, it really didn't matter. And so I think, like, that that in it, too, is, is a layer of inner peace. We may not see it that way, but it definitely is. So does, how does your journaling help you with this? Because it sounds like you're really having to be intentional about keeping your mind protected and not allowing it to go in those directions and to continue to grow. Is, does journaling help with that or do, is your journal just a way to like do a data dump at the end of a day? So I, I used to journal daily. I don't, I don't anymore. Um, I now sew, and, and sometimes I get challenged by, by mentors, right? Shereel, um, Turner, she's, she's been massive in my life and sometimes she'll give me prompts, but now I'm at this stage where I, I kind of realize I have to take it for myself. So sometimes journaling has been things like, um, uh, like money blocks, right? So like mm -hmm. when I was younger, uh, a money block to me was, like we grew up, I, I would say like middle class, but if we're being real in today's society, that would be like lower middle class. Um, mm -hmm. And so we didn't have like the latest and greatest. Um, so I was under this perception that making money was hard, that you had to marry someone and like their income then, right? Like you better marry someone mm -hmm. rich, like you can't make yeah. it yourself. That was a money block. I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. even know that that was a money block, but that was an untrue money story that had been repeated through my childhood and I had to change that. So sometimes journaling is just acknowledging, right? Like things that had been said. So it was like, um, like I was told that this happened, but actually the fact about what I actually believe to be true about money is X, Y, and Z. I've, I've also have given um, journaling examples to my friends when they've gone through breakups because mm -hmm. they realize like, I don't ever want to date a man with blah, 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 blah. And mm -hmm. I, so then you have to realize, well, first of all, do you even know what you really want in a partner? Have you sat down and like actually listed out what is important to you in a, in a partner? And also, do you carry those values yourself, right? So like sometimes to me, journaling is just getting really clear on small things. I have journaled everything from childhood memories. Um, sometimes I like I was challenged to go back. Uh, I made a comment one time that my childhood house was smaller than all of my friends. I look back at it now, I'm like, my childhood house was fine. Like, what the hell was I thinking? But in terms of size, right, like it was smaller. 
so one of my things that I did was I, I wrote every single thing I loved about my childhood house. And by the end of it, like it was like I couldn't stop writing. I didn't realize how many good memories I had tied to that home and to my childhood. So a lot of times journaling to me is just getting it out of your brain and very clear on paper. Um, a lot of times I never reread what I wrote ever again mm-hmm. until like I might be flipping and be like, whoa, you used to think that? Because I think when you get it out, um, you then can start really that objective look on things and being like, mm, okay, that's not actually true. I don't actually feel that way. Um, it, it is just a really great practice to learn more about yourself as well. I remember someone asked me my favorite color and I sat there and I was like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. like when I was younger, my favorite color was pink. Like, but do Mm -hmm. I really have a favorite color? Like, I didn't know. And that was, like, kind of weird to me of, like, how well do I actually know myself? Like, who is my favorite actor? I don't really know. Like, so I even just start writing down things. Like, when it came up into my mind, I don't always do it in a journal. Sometimes it's in the notes of my phone because that's always with me, right? So, Uh like, sometimes it might just came up. It would be like, you know, my favorite kind of ice cream is actually this. But it was, like, writing it down to make it, official official right taking it out of the subconscious bringing it to your conscious and then getting it down on paper so i know journaling is not a route for everyone um i think a lot of people have this stigma around journaling that has to be done one way or another it's militant i just say write (laughs) you know like prompts are really good because they do help you when you're getting there and i relied on prompts a lot when um when i first started out but now sometimes like i just journal to work through it my biggest fear with journaling, number one, is staying committed to it. There was a, there was a, I don't know, I might even recommend it to you. It's probably been about 10 years now. It was a thing you signed up for, and every evening you get an email, and it'll say, how was your day? Mm-hmm. And then you just respond to it. And I kept that for like two years. Yeah. And it was great. And then the company went out of business. But my, my fear with the journal, maybe you feel this way too, like what happens when I die and somebody reads this? Like you think of that, what was that movie with Clint Eastwood and Meryl Streep? Um, the bridges of Madison yeah, County. Yeah. Like, you know, when you die and then your kids read your journal, like, oh my God. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think about that. Do you ever worry about that? Oh, so I, so I've, I've had my journal read um, without my permission, and it was probably like one of the biggest invasions of privacy I can say I've had in my adult life. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because I had also, it was kind of known that my journal was sacred, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like, there's some hurtful things in my journal, and it's not with malicious intent. It is with, like, be- do you ever want to be inside of someone else's head? No. Like, mm. like, I mean, honestly, do you want to know every single thought they're having? No. Do you want someone yeah. to be inside of your head? No. Because sometimes thoughts are just that, a thought. Mm-hmm. It, it does. Right. It's not even like we believe it. It's just like I had this fleeing thought, but like, where did this come from? So you could see, like, if you were to pick up my journal and there's, you know, like a, a letter of forgiveness to someone, like let's say an ex boyfriend who hurt me when I was 16, you know, like you could be like, well, why the hell are you writing him a forgiveness letter? Well, it's not for anyone else. It's for me, right? right. Like I have to find that forgiveness for that person. I wish you well. Whatever have a great life but i could see how someone else is picking that up they may be like oh she's still stuck on him right yeah. but again they don't understand your motive it's right. for them it's entertainment like ooh, this ought to be fun right and for the same reason we eavesdrop on people's social media like yeah. ooh, let's see what they're up to oh yeah you know? let's click around so i think that is a very real fear but honestly when i die if someone's someone's gonna go through my journal what am i i'm not gonna be around to like stop them um <laughs> i have like joked with my friends in the past and been like something ever happens to me burn all my journals right <laughs> like don't let anyone yeah. have them but um i would i would hope that people know me as a person and know that if you're gonna pick up my journal you may read something that you don't want to read. So you need to use your own discernment in that too, mm-hmm. right? Like how much do you really want to know? Or maybe you just set those aside for another day. But I, I just believe that there's power in using your voice however that happens, whether that's journaling. And if you're really scared about someone picking up your journal, your iPhone has this amazing notes feature and you can lock it with a password. 
you know? So like yeah. no one could ever access it even after you pass, right? So yeah. um, so there are ways to go around that. I'm, I'm definitely a pen to paper girl. I do have some in my, um, my phone notes as well and I transfer them typically over into my journal because my journals could almost be read. I have, I'd say probably a journal per year is what I fill up. Um, and they could almost be read like my life story. So who's to say wow. that someone won't take that and make it into a Hallmark movie one day, right? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what they're going to sure do with would. it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. So, so I think like we have fears around everything, but it's like, where, what is that root fear? Is that root fear being vulnerable, being exposed, being seen for someone that we're not? So I think that would even be a great journaling topic. Like where does my fear of journaling actually come from? Was it because when I was six years old, I had a diary and my sister took it and then made fun of me? Maybe, Mm. you know? So sometimes I think it's a a lot deeper than even what we, we give it credit for. It seems like the key to this is just clearing out some of the clutter. And maybe that's what journaling is for. I've tried, you've probably noticed that you read my stuff pretty regularly. I've done a lot more reflection this year, I think in my, weekly email blast of blogs because for me it's almost therapeutic it's yeah. I'm talking a lot about things that I've not mentioned things about my dad things about my brother mm. I mean you've read the stuff so you know and I'm actually taking a program now on positive intelligence which has been phenomenal um, and I've learned a lot about myself but I you know I wish I'd done this earlier and the fact that you're you know a good probably 30 years younger than me you're trucking along with this I can imagine when you get to be my age like You'll be like this all-knowing. Maybe you'll be like a sage or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you'll still be curious. I think that's, it yeah. seems like the more you so visualize a, a, a messy basement, right? Yeah. The more you clear out the clutter, the more you can do something with it. And I think what a lot of people do is they clean it and then they put more shit back in it. Yeah, absolutely. But the key is like, if you're going to put stuff back in, it's got to be positive things. Mm. Otherwise, you know, because that's where you need to live and not just hide stuff in there. And for me, it's been nice pulling that out and tying it to a song and I get to draw some pictures with it, but that's been useful for me. Yeah. And I think the more that I clear that stuff out, the more I'm open to exploring new things. And so let me ask you on that note too, and I don't know if you've ever delved into this. I just, I do a lot of reading. So the, so the mind, the, the mind is like, I don't know what our capacity is, like how much of our brain we really use, but what are your thoughts on things like uh, hallucinogenics to explore the regions that like your conscious mind doesn't ever go to? Oh, like microdosing and stuff. I mean, I think yeah. it's freaking awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, so this was, I, we were talking earlier that the, a woman I follow, she's actually an astrologer. She was predicting things in what's going to happen in the, in the future, right? 10 years from mm-hmm. now, 20 years from now. And she had actually said that she foresees an, an escape in reality. And that this may, we're already seeing it play out, but we're seeing it play out in two very different ways. We're seeing people get drawn into virtual reality where they're putting on a headset and literally going into a different world. My, my friend's son had, she's told me that when he's on his VR set, it's like nothing else matters. He can't hear you. He like, he is just so into it. Like this is real life for him, right? So we're already seeing this happen with virtual reality. But then she was saying that there's going to be a second half where people are using things like microdosing to open up, which science has says like your pineal gland. And if you go back to like ancient Egyptians, they are saying that your pineal gland is like the most important part of your brain because it's connected to the divine and it has like all of these, it, it's like opens up, right? Like it can open you up to like different dimensions and thoughts. So I'm not an expert in this. I've had conversations with people who um, do microdosing as part of their like spirituality. We also know that this has been done in so many cultures before us. Native Americans used to do it. Um mm-hmm. It was part of their practices. So I think it's, uh, maybe it's not for everyone, but I, I'm i not to judge. And I, I mean, I'm like, do it, try it, see, see, see what happens. Well, I would imagine you'd probably be like really curious. Yeah. I think those, I mean, maybe it unlocks a lot of mysteries. I don't know. I mean, the, you know, the big question that I want to know now is like, what happens when you die? I used to think I had it figured out. Now I'm like, okay, so is it spiritual? I mean, do you you get reincarnated or like where I'm at right now is like, it's like when you turn off the TV, like you're just, it's done. Yeah. Like you're gone. I, like there's, it's all black. I don't know. I have you know? so many, I've, I've had so many different thoughts about that. Um, 
I'll, I'll turn you on to a woman. She, she's passed. Her name is Doreen. Oh, no, it's not. It's Dolor, Dolores Cannon is her name. Um, Dolores Cannon, she was actually a hypnotherapist. And she had hypnotized people for, I want to say like the betterment of 20 plus years, but never shared any of her work to anyone else. And what she realized is that when she was doing like past life regressions with people, mm-hmm. they were all sharing the exact same thing about what happened after death. And her her interpretation, and something she she says resonates with me and some things don't. So that is just like my rule for everything. Take what resonates mm-hmm. and re- leave the rest. But one of her um, ways of looking at this is that like we're just like a, a ball of source, right? Mm-hmm. So like if our spirit leaves, it's kind of like, okay, you go to these whatever higher dimensions. It's like, did you learn your lesson? Yes or no? Um, like, do you need to go back to repeat it? Yes or no? And she she describes it in a much more in-depth way that made me have a couple aha moments. Some things I was like, I don't really understand what that means. But then I'm like, I, maybe I'm not supposed to yet, right? Um, mm-hmm. And other things really resonated for me of questions that I had. So to me, it's really just being open-minded. Open-minded to other cultures, to like what other people are teaching you. Um, uh, That whole resonating thing, uh, you know, like sometimes people can go real deep and they can lose you logically. But if you're like, hmm, I mean, like I get what you're saying. I I guess that seems right. Like you can start discovering that for yourself. And And if like you have done this whole journey and you're like, you know, I think like after we die, like that's it. Okay. Well, maybe that's true. I don't. I don't know. Like, I, like yeah. I'm alive. I can't tell you what's right or wrong. Well, nobody can. Right. right? Nobody's right. like, hey, I've been there and, and back. Yeah. You, know, you have people that like die on the table and then they get resuscitated. Like, yeah. Because I've seen science explain you know, your oxygen goes out of your brain. You see the bright colors and things like. But I think all it is is humans trying to understand something that is beyond understanding. Yeah. Maybe in 50 years. You know, which won't help me any, but you'll be an old lady. My- but, ah, it's finally been discovered. Yeah. Too bad Mac's not around to see it. Oh, geez. Yeah. Maybe, I'll be, yeah, maybe-, maybe I'll be reincarnated as your dog or something. Maybe you'll know? come through in like a medium reading or something for me. <laughs> I'll be like, Mac, yeah. actually, you're right. But you know, yeah, the, you were right. the the operating table scenario, my, my grandfather had passed on the opera well he was basically dead right like he was mm-hmm. being operated on i think he had flatlined and he knew like it, he it's like he had an aerial vision of like mm-hmm. what was going on and they had basically told him like there's no way that could have happened and he knew the conversation that was taking wow. place he knew that the doctor had a bald spot on the top of your head that you can't see unless you're like you're <laughs> like from that oh, angle, right? Wow. So like it's it's some of those things. And he is a very religious, well, he was a very religious man. So like some of those things, it's like, well, how do you, how do you describe that? It was kind of like, what was that movie with like Bill Cosby when he was like kind of dead? It was like, he was like a ghost dad or something. And like, ghost dad, is that what yeah. it, I don't know what the movie was. Of course, his career is kind of Yeah, dead he's too, dead so, too. But, yeah. but yeah, but like he, but he was like wandering the hospital room and he was like trying to like go back to his body or something. Mm-hmm. So when I was hearing that story from my grandfather, like that was the movie that I was envisioning. I was like, hmm. Maybe there is some truth in this. I don't know, right? Like, I, well, nobody knows. Right? I mean, that's just. I think it could drive a person crazy. Yeah. Except to say, but you know what? Honestly, I think you know what. Going back to my religious experience growing up, I almost saw myself living my life to get to the end because that's where the real life began. began yeah. And I even saw my parents, you know, and I, you know, they got themselves in some horrible financial things. And I think a lot of it I remember as a kid. You know, I'd overhear them saying, "Oh." Things are so bad. The Lord's going to come back soon. We won't. We we will definitely be raptured. And I think they kind of planned their life financially, like we're not. And until my dad died, and my mom is in her 80s, late 80s now, and like I'm still here. Mm, and so, yeah. and I've even heard that from people who have sort of moved on from you know a traditional kind of Christianity. Like Christians are living to accelerate the end of the world so they can enjoy it. Mm. Like we need to start preserving what we got because yeah. who knows when that'll be, if ever. Mac, and have like, you let's, let's live in the present? Have you, know? you read the book um, "The Four Agreements," the the Toltec wisdom? No. Okay, so th- I've heard about it, but never read okay, it. Okay, it's a really short read. I would actually encourage you to read it, but also your listeners, because this would be, I would say, it. We're going to take religion out of it. So, um, mm-hmm. but but even if you are religious follow this and it's not going to go against the Bible. It's not going to go against any of your teachings, right? It's, it's very mm-hmm. in alignment. And if you're not religious, it's just helping you be a better person. But um, essentially, this changed my 
life. Like this mm. book changed my life and it is off four very simple agreements. And I'm not get, I'm not spoiling anything because the agreements are given to you on the inside cover of the book. But they okay. are very simply, be impeccable with your words. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. And always do your best. So I bet that if you read this book and anyone listening and you adopt those principles and you really, you try like hell to implement them every single day, you'll actually find that that journey to inner peace is really just, again, being your authentic self, but that most of the time we as humans can't even follow those four simple agreements every single day. Being impeccable with your words is actually so much harder than it seems. Because, you know, like you don't want to go somewhere and you're like, oh, what should I tell this person? Why do, what, like why? Why do we have to come up with an excuse, right? So instead of like coming up with some excuse, just tell them the truth. Like, hey, I'm not feeling well. I can't make it. Whatever. Um, it also goes for not talking about people behind their back. Not gossiping. Um, not taking anything personally is that mirror effect. Is, is, okay, well, you must see that about you. That doesn't make it, you know, true about me making assumptions holy cannoli i i didn't even realize how many assumptions i was making on a daily basis until i start to implement these and i am not perfect with these four agreements in fact i was walking myself through it and i was like man i broke those four agreements like last week so many times but every day is a new day so you can you can you know hold yourself to these every single day and when you when you're following these agreements, you realize that like that inner peace almost becomes effortlessly because those four agreements take away all of the bullshit that like you're kind of internally struggling with. So, I mean, he breaks it down. The book is super short. I want to say like less than 200 pages maybe. It's it's a very short book, but it's also very easy to read and digest. Um, so that I think like that would be a, a great starting point. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz. I think it's R-U-I-Z. Um, yeah. But he's, he's, he's great. Um, it's, it's very practical and gives you like a, a guide to self-freedom, I think. Good. Well, I'm going to read that one myself and I would encourage the audience well, I'm looking at the clock here, Lauren. We've been on almost an hour. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> this, I don't know if we've, you know, really figured out the key to inner peace, but I think we've kind of identified what it sort of looks like. Yeah. So maybe the way we should wrap this up is, you know, what would you recommend we do? You've given us the the idea for the four agreements, but what other tools do you have to help? And in addition to is your podcast, I know you've, you've put it on hiatus, but can we still get to it? Yeah. Because it was a, a wealth. In fact, wasn't, Del what, did you have Dolores Cannon on your show? No, I, I actually, um, w one of the most recent ones that we have of brain rewiring that's like really good with your habits is Dr. Dawson uh -huh. Church. He writes for Hay House for anyone who's um, familiar with those, but he, I think he was on last December. That's a really good one about like your habits. There's also, I'm actually looking at her book right now um Adele Spragon her episode is also about brain rewiring but I would also suggest the episode with Sheryl Turner where we would talk about surrender and release because that is like surrendering all control over your life it's like taking that hands-off approach and like trying to flow more tapping into your intuition control is a very human construct thing you know like we mm -hmm. always want to have control and that goes against inner peace so definitely check out the podcast we have 300 published um episodes the, the funny thing is that mac i took a break from the podcast and the numbers uh -huh. for downloads haven't changed so like monthly, I'm still getting the exact same as I would as I was pumping out. So that was like another validation to me is like, people are, I don't have to show up, right? Like people are still mm -hmm. getting and finding what they need. So you can find. Well, they were, and like every time you'd get an episode, I'm like, how in the world does she get these amazing, I mean, I'm, not, I'm like, uh, Cheryl is one of your mentors, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And she's had several episodes, but some of them I listened to, like, where do you find these people? <laughs> these are like some amazing people. And they really are. You know, I guess it's because it's a dedicated space where, you know, what I do, like, hell, everybody's doing what I do, but yours is very unique. And it talks about things that some people would say were kind of on the fringes, but yeah. you, know, you bring it in there where we can explain. And it, was it you that suggested I read uh, Many Lives, Many Masters? Oh, I, I don't know if I suggested it, but I've read it, and that is, that's a good one. Oh, it was fat. I read it as an, I listened to it. In fact, I'm driving through New York City. It was right before the pandemic, and I'm like, God, this is so distracting because you got to be on your game when you're yeah. driving through New York City. Yeah. 
But I had to go listen to it again because it's like, wow, how fast. I mean, because I had my questions about that too. Right. You know, the past lives and like, I just have vivid memories where I think, I know you've shared stories. You can listen to, I forget what number it is, but we talked, I think, about that. Right. At length. Passive. Yeah. So there's a lot. So anyway, I got off track. Uh, what other tools yeah. do you suggest for us? Um, yeah. yeah. So also on my website, which is, I believe it's on laurensmithbiz.com. Um, the, be the best way to find all of this is to actually find me on Instagram, Lauren of Light. And then I have like a link lease with like, I have journal prompts. I have, uh, and they're free too. So if like you want to dip your toe into journaling, you can get a bunch of journal prompts that go through self-awareness, forgiveness, like different themes that you may be dealing with um, to kind of help you dip your toe into that. I also have Oracle cards, which are also affirmation cards. So I've had people use these in various ways. Sometimes people will pull a card and they just need a positive message for the day. Other times people are using them and then they'll journal about that message that came up. Um, so you can use those however you see fit. And then I also have a book that's called Mindful Love. That is just very short. Um, it's, it goes hand in hand with the, the Spiritual Secret Oracle deck. But it's just little bite-sized love notes to yourself. Things that you should remember to empower yourself. And that actually started from my own journey. I would say that was probably the, the beginning of my, my personal development spiritual journey is because I just felt so dang low every day that I had to start writing myself little mindful love nuggets of reminding myself of my power, reminding myself of my worth. And that's a really important thing that we can do to ourselves. So if you're not in that space where you can remind yourself, let me remind you for you. So <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's great. So best place is Lauren of Light on Instagram to reach out. You can find all the tools. Yeah. And then the name of your podcast again, Lauren? Is Master Your Mind, Business, and Life. Um, and that is every, I mean, wherever you're listening to now, I'm sure you can find it. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of them. It's, it's on all of them. Excellent. So real quick before we go, do you see yourself jumping back? behind the mic again i will be back on the mic again i've i've actually picked it up a few times um and then sat it back down because i'm still not clear on that picture i think when i jump back on the mic though it might um it might be in a different way than people were expecting so i guess uh, different than probably i'm even expecting <laughs> so well I'm if you don't know yet then we can only imagine it's going to be something that's going to be really i think it'll be really good but this was this was a great way to to dip my toe right back into the podcast world and I forgot how much I, I really enjoy these conversations. Well, you haven't lost a step. And I think I said this last time we got it. It's so, it's so much easier to interview someone who actually has a podcast. <laughs> some of my guests, it's like, you got to, you know, I could edit like the big long pauses out. Yeah. But man, some of it's like pulling teeth. It's like, true. So tell me a little bit about this. It, it's good. Like, yeah, it's, it's is really there anything good. else you'd like to add or? No, it's true. And <laughs> we could have done this by email. You know, you know, and that's something that I think I realized in October too, is like I was getting so autopiloted as a host um, that I was like, am I still listening for responses? <laughs> you know, because mm. like, because you also get in that same mode of like questions, question, questions, you know, the flow of your show. And then you forget sometimes that you have guests who are like deer in headlights. And they're like, I've never done this before. This is a very scary space for me, right? Like they're not sure oh, yeah. of the flow. And then I agree the the other podcast hosts um, are definitely easier, but but they're not new to it either. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, it takes a little time. To, it the does. biggest factor, I don't know if you ever experienced it. Like I hate the sound of my voice. Oh, so I'd never so re-listen. Yeah, yeah. I, I try not to unless it's something really. But now I've kind of figured like that's as good as it gets. Right. And nobody likes the way they sound. Maybe no. James Earl Jones. Does, <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody else. Well, does, it, you know? it was really weird because I used to have people at the end of shows tell me, they're like, oh my gosh, you, especially if they were from abroad, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you have the all American voice. Mm -hmm. And they were like, have you considered, I've had multiple people asking if I've considered other jobs in broadcasting or voiceovers and which I've done voiceover work before, but I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't hear it that way. <laughs> right? Like one of my friends is like, I would love it if you just read audiobooks. And I'm like, oh, how annoying would that be for someone to listen to? Well, <laughs> if you've listened to an annoying reader on an audio. Oh, you, you know, know that right? There's some that are like, wow. Well, if you sounded like that little short lady in Poltergeist. Oh, gosh. Then that'd be a little different, right? If I sounded like Pee Wee Herman, it'd be different. Right, right. right. Yeah, we, we're reasonable. I mean, we're we pretty good. We're pretty it, good. I think, I think yeah. so. I think we're all right. <laughs>
Well, Lauren, this has been a, a real joy. I've really enjoyed uh, starting a week off with this chat, and I'm hoping if you're listening to this today that, number one, you won't change your opinion of me now that I've opened up my life and told you about my spiritual journey, which some of you are probably like, well, I think we are going to unfriend and disconnect from that heretic. Well, hey. That's where you're at. Well, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, maybe but... they should do some inner work themselves if that's what they're, well, they're taking the away from Well, the thing is, it. I guess, you know, I wasn't ready until maybe it was the magic of hitting 50 that made me start to like, yeah. okay, you know, what? what is it that I do believe and yeah. why is it that I believe that? And then the more questions I asked, the fewer answers I got. And then the bigger questions were, so if that isn't, you know, like the things that I've based my life on for, you know, 50 years, well, on the calendar anyway, when yeah. I was little, I don't remember much, but you know, so what else is there? So it's exciting and depressing all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it but, is. Uh, I, I learned a lot today, Lauren. It has well, been great you. just sitting here and letting you open up the the vault and letting us hear, you know, your experience. So again, if you're listening to this today, please look up Lauren Smith. She is absolutely uh, an expert in this field. And I know she can certainly help you guide you to where you can find some answers as well. So Lauren, thank you for giving up a morning and uh, best of luck as you continue on your journey. Oh, thanks, Mac, for holding this space for me. It was so much fun. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years, and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs. More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>